Welcome to the Sales Mindset Podcast. We talk about all things within sales and having the right mindset. Brian, you wanted to talk about an experience today. Yes, that just happened actually, just before, uh, basically on my way over here. Yeah. So yeah. I went and got a haircut. I'm very jealous. New, the new do. Yeah. yeah. I think yours looks really good. No, thank you. You have a really good barber. Thank you. I think. Yeah. I'll let him know. You ever see anybody about the beard? I do actually. Every now and then I'll get oh, really? a good beard trim, uh, but I usually do it myself. Yeah. I've honestly never understood that as somebody who, you know, I could grow facial hair if I wanted to, you know, but uh, let's just pretend as though I couldn't. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I, I've always just done it myself, you know? It, the... it, there's a certain, I think, guilty pleasure in having someone else trim the beard. Yeah. Well, it's nice to get a, 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 them to see if there's a better shape that could go with it. Yeah. Or, well, on the topic of the haircut, mm -hmm. I went into, it's just a Grey Clips. It, it's a, a woman named Kelly at Grey Clips who cuts my hair. But I just kind of over time built a relationship with her. I went in at noon today. And I thought she was working, but she wasn't. Apparently, she wasn't going to be until 1. So uh, I was even about to sit down in the chair and everything because the way Great Clips is kind of just like all the car that can go in and then, you know, whoever's there will grab you unless you specifically request someone. I don't, but obviously. Yeah. Well, that, that's the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, Great Clips before your time, you know, <laughs> or after your time, rather. Um, I was in the chair and I'm like, hey, who, uh, you know, Kelly, when is she going to be here? She's like, oh, she'll actually be here an hour or so if you wanted to come back. So I, did, I went out of my way to get a haircut multiple hours later and like take a second trip up there. Because every time that she cuts my hair, it's just, it's fast, easy. Like she understands everything. We have a good mm -hmm. rapport and a good conversation. And I wouldn't want to do it like any other way. You know, always tip well mm -hmm. and, you know, come back when she sees you. She's like, oh, it's so good to see you. Yeah. As though I'm her only client, even though, even though she's my only, you know, barber or whatever. She has seen, you know, eight people back to back before me is what she'd said. But, you know, you still get that, that nice attention, which pays dividends for her, I imagine. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's part of that relationship. Yeah, yeah, for sales. And customers, I think it's important to note, at least in this particular situation, customers don't want to have to spend energy finding new vendors. Mm -hmm. So you know, think about sales. If a customer is firing you as, yeah. as a company, there's energy and money that goes into finding new vendors. Yeah. So there, that's not to say that you shouldn't be building a relationship. That's to be saying the vendor's firing you. There, there's probably a really good reason yeah. you should look into that. Of course, if you're firing a vendor, uh, or not you're firing a vendor, but if you're firing a customer, yeah. then of course that customer probably should be rightfully concerned. Oh, wh why is this happening? Is you know they're going to have to spend more money to find yeah. time. Time is money. Yeah, you must be awfully complicated. Exactly. And I'm the same thing. I may not be getting haircuts anymore. Yeah. Uh, and I do have someone specific that I use for the beard but uh, she and i have been friends for at least four years at this point uh -huh. so that makes that choice relatively easy you buy from your friends right but if uh my massage therapist i don't like shifting massage therapists either mm -hmm. because the massage therapists that i use male or female yeah. they learn what i need they learn what areas are typically very stressful for me they also yeah. learn my physical activity and the quirks of what i do whether it's standing up a lot during the day because of teaching or because of the lifting and whatnot yeah. I'm doing. So I don't want to have to explain that to a new massage therapist uh -huh. at the same time. And I think that's all a big deal for people who are getting this type of care. It doesn't seem like it's a lot. How much was your haircut? Um, it was $19. Yeah. So men's haircuts are pretty cheap. Yeah. So even at that low risk, we do, I, and I remember when I was getting haircuts, it's 10 years ago, I think it was my last haircut, 10, 11 years ago. But- when I moved to Florida from up north, that was one of my biggest headaches was 
oh, I've got to find a new hairstylist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the person that I had gone to, I had gone to for years. And of course, the convenience of that was sit down. She knew exactly what to do with my hair. This is definitely yeah. a male-centric conversation, by the way, because I yeah. don't, I mean, don't have the same. No, I know. Well, for women, it's for my understanding, it's even more dramatic. My mom, when she's, uh, she has a, a stylist right now in our hometown. But at one point she had to change or she dropped the one that she was working with because she just wasn't getting her hair right. Mm-hmm. And her hair is longer, more complicated, and she wants something more specific done with it than what I would. So it's almost even more important yeah. to build that relationship. The haircuts are longer. You get more face time with your clients slash the vendor in that case. Yeah. And it, I, I would almost argue it's more important. I, probably. Yeah. yeah. I'm mean, Not probably. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. So where else have you seen this relationship matter as a customer? So that's actually what I was thinking about when you were talking about your physical ther- or uh, your massage therapist mm-hmm. is I was going to physical therapy for a little bit. Actually, just recently graduated physical therapy. It's a big day. <laughs> and I had to switch at one point, which I was really just really upset about mm-hmm. because I had a physical therapist who was great. And I had to switch just for insurance reasons mm-hmm. and switch to somebody through the university, actually. And I was really nervous about that. But this relationship was even better or just as good as the previous and it took a little bit to build up but there's no way that i would have went to anybody else by the time it was done where you know if the schedule was packed it's all wait you know i she was really good she understood my lifestyle habits what i valued is that i did a lot of research on my own for exercise that i could do at home to supplement it ask questions and she was really on top of that Mm -hmm. same thing with a primary care doctor i just switched primary care doctors relatively recently and that pays dividends in your health, like your day-to-day life, where let's say you have a certain medication or a certain condition where you're seeing your family medicine doctor and you need to have referrals to, uh, what do you call it, specialists. Mm-hmm. Having that relationship where you can look them in the eye, they know who you are, and ask for something. Yeah, It's so much more comfortable and you're more likely to get better care. And I think there's numbers on that as well about specifically primary care doctors, mm-hmm. like the separation of people who have a family medicine doctor, a primary care doctor versus those who don't and the standard of care they end up receiving. Well, I think there's, there's, especially when you're talking about care, so you're talking about, we're moving out of hair. hair yeah, is, yeah. Hair is not your health, but massage therapy, in my view, is, is preventative medicine. Mm-hmm. The physical therapy is obviously preventative medicine. Same thing with the doctor. Yeah. So what is the value proposition that's being built over time that includes some of the stuff that we talked about in prior podcasts, the trust... Mm-hmm. And the credibility yeah. that is part of what they do and how they do it, where they've gotten their degrees from, yeah. but also how they just listen to you and ask questions. Who wants to go to a doctor that doesn't really ask questions, right? Yeah. I, I think even from the perspective of, I'm going into fiction on this one, uh, Dr. House. Yeah. So, And I've never Uh-oh. watched a, a full show of Dr. House, oh, but there are so many clips of him or of that show. Yeah. And he still asks questions, mm. but he's not likable. And it, it oh, does yeah. cause friction between yeah. him and his, his customers, his, his patients, that sometimes causes them to be restrictive with the information. When mm. if he was a little more likable, they might be more yeah. forthcoming with the information. That's actually its own concept because I, I really like how I've seen the whole show through twice. Mm-hmm. And I think that there it represents a whole other factor to uh, lead generation and client, re- not retention, I guess, but more so client uh, acquisition. 
where in the show he typically doesn't do long-term care it's you know emergency cases where they're being treated and it's like chronic conditions or you know usually deadly conditions and people come to him or people there's a whole episode where they they say he receives um, applications or or referrals like a hundred of them every uh, every month or something like that and he has to turn down like 99 percent of them because he doesn't have the time for it and I mean, he also just doesn't care because he's, you know, yeah. he's shit. But um, he gets to skate off on the element of prestige, mm-hmm. which goes a little bit in hand in hand with trust and credibility, but in a very different way where he has the credibility. He has the prestige of one of the best doctors or, you know, in the show, a diagnostician, but he doesn't have the trust and personal connection with the client for by the time that it's done, the patients basically hate him like 75% of the time. But they're like, but you saved my life, so thank you. Yeah. Well, and I want to get into the, and I hate to to be the the egghead professor on this. It's not yeah. so much the trust that he mm. doesn't have. You can trust that he's going to be consistent. Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't have the, the rapport build. He doesn't mm. care to build rapport. But he doesn't need to build rapport. Yeah. High demand, uh, or yeah, high demand, high, uh, and low supply. It's yeah. just him. And he's got to sift through all of these these potential customers, and I think you can see that with some brands mm-hmm. that get pretty high on themselves and don't really care about that rapport build. There's, a, and I don't know if this is related or not because I've never watched her outside of maybe a clip or two. But there's a TikTok influencer podcaster that's deadpan interviews celebrities. Uh-huh. And I don't. That sounds know, kind of familiar. Yeah, and and. I, oh, the B, is it a BBC uh, newscaster one? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so because, okay. of the, because of the quick rise yeah. and quick fall. And I think because of the, the deadpan, um, she became popular at first because she had that, that pull. Yeah. But apparently a fight with Drake or something like that uh-huh. is what ended up uh, killing it for her. And I what had happened... As you look at it, she never really built a substantial enough rapport mm-hmm. with her audience. Never because too quick, right? Yeah, too quick. I don't, I don't care that much about this person. Whereas someone who, um, who might be more of a late night guest, like Ellen. Ellen had the, it came out that Ellen had this this aspect of her personality that was very, very nasty. Yeah, yeah. But it took a lot more to to finally break. Through that, and I don't yeah. know if it necessarily necessarily tracks, but you know, I think. And House is also fiction. We have to. Remember. Yeah, yeah. House is also fiction at this. Period. Oh, yeah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't fly in real life. You saw no. some of the the full episodes. No, he would be quickly uh, sanctioned or something along. Yeah, those yeah, probably. Um, yeah, there's actually an episode where his malpractice insurance is like three times any other doctor or something like mm-hmm. that. It's hilarious. That being said, kind of walking it back to what we were saying before is every job like that where you have the the client customer relationship or uh, rather you know custom a client principal relationship where you have in this case you know a hairdresser slash stylist and a massage therapist it reveals that every job to a certain degree is sales yes so i just got done reading a few months ago the millionaire real estate agent by um george george keller do you have that in here no no We'll we'll link it in the in the description, but it's a it's a book that specifically focuses on how to build a real estate business. But along the side of it, it's talking a lot about mindset, some of the stuff that we talk about. 
as well as what can be applied to other industries as well. And one of the biggest claims in the book is you have your job and then you have a second job, which is lead generation. Mm -hmm. No matter what your A job is, or an equally as important A job is lead generation or else the business can't exist. Mm -hmm. And that would apply to, of course, every industry, but specifically these entrepreneurial ones, like a tattoo artist, same thing where the hairdresser is renting out the space. As a doctor, you work for the hospital, but you are creating your uh, your your clientele. Yeah. So uh, when it comes down to that lead generation, how are you doing it? Your word of mouth is the best type of lead mm-hmm. generation that you could ever generate. And I guess first, let's go with this fictional house. His word of mouth is purely based on the fact that he can save people despite the fact that he's a raging asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, what just to, to put it out there, that wouldn't generally work long term. You yeah. might be able to find some people who are able to pull that off. But yeah. Generally speaking, I would never recommend that. As a as a salesperson or as an entrepreneur, as someone who owns a business, the key thing is to one, constantly be networking yourself. Mm-hmm. And that matters, you know, how you're going to get out there and talk to people, whether you're joining networking groups, whether you're joining certain social groups. Yeah. One of the reasons I joined Toastmasters was to be able to network yeah. myself. Uh, in addition to the skill building aspect of it, that's where you can join things like Kiwanis or, you know, civic groups, which mm-hmm. are unfortunately on the downfall in most of American society. That's to help you get your name out there. That's how I find most of my personal business, mm-hmm. not by randomly prospecting. Although, if if I didn't have certain other things going on, that's what I would be doing. But it's a matter of how am I extending my network. Big part of extending my network is to just strike up conversations yeah. at bars or coffee shops, mm-hmm. usually bars. Yeah, <laughs> not to uh, focus on the alcohol too much there. No, but when you're traveling, yeah. That's that's where your opportunities are. So if I'm going in, if I'm traveling and I'm in an airport, I'm sitting at the bar. I'm not sitting at a table. Yeah, and I'll have a conversation with someone around me, especially, especially if that person's by themselves or mm-hmm. if I'm in a lounge. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in the American Lounge or American Express Lounge, those people are usually, and they don't have kids with them. They're usually in some sort of business. Trip. Yeah, exactly. Are they part of a business that I'm going to be able to? sell to at some Mm -hmm. point in time. How do I extend my network? How do I nurture those relationships even early Mm -hmm. on? Well, that's actually very relevant to what we were talking about earlier in the sales meeting with the new person. We were doing some sales training and practicing that rapport building, getting to know somebody, you know, those Mm -hmm. first stages of building a relationship. And we were practicing, we did a few different scenarios, like what the type of approaches would be. And we started basically cold where it's the first in-person meeting after several contacts or email and phone and whatnot and there was a lot of trouble getting through that first phase of rapport building like kind of breaking the ice and having that more personal conversation and i don't know what you think about this but what i had said was that the way i typically go about it in a scenario like that is you have the ford model right are we allowed to reference that yeah that's not i don't think it's okay yeah yeah so we have the Ford model for that, uh, what, what do you call it, uh, rapport building questions just to kind of keep you on track when yeah. it, 
it's a formula that shouldn't be adhered to too much or else it starts to sound robotic, but it's... Well, and I'm not a big fan of it, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I like it conceptually for it, just a, per, like a parameter mm-hmm. where if you're trying to think of things to talk about, I just think it's applicable to daily life. Like, what are, what are the four pillars that people like to talk about? Mm-hmm. You know, they'll talk about their family, they'll talk about their, their job, their occupation, what they like to do for fun, the recreation, and things that they're looking forward to, their dreams. Yeah. And I like it in that sense. But if you try to build a specific thing, like I need to ask a family question, occupation question, then I think it's a little railroady. Mm-hmm. But when you're going into this type of conversation where it's still effectively cold, your relationship is still new, it's really awkward no matter who you are to say, do you have any kids? Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> what the idea was is there's different types of sales. There's the type of sale, or rather relationship building, where you meet them at the airport lounge. Mm-hmm. And then there's the type of relationship building where you've set up a sales meeting mm-hmm. to go and talk to them. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you're going to open with the more, the ex- exceptionally interpersonal rapport building questions. Right. You're going to say, oh, I saw on your LinkedIn that you've been doing this for like right. 10 years. Right. How has that been? Mm-hmm. And to start peel the onion from there. And maybe you'll start to get a bit more personal as a conversation goes on. But instead of looking at it as, I need to step into this person's guard and get on their good side, it's I am me. And I've learned a little bit about them. And I'm going to actually build a relationship with them, become friends with them. Mm-hmm. If you're in a bar, it's a different setting. Yeah. You have a social lubricant. You're kind of on the off time. And you're sitting there. Maybe uh, they show you a picture on their phone of some sort of family trip. And then, you know, you talk about the family a little bit. Yeah. And it's a whole different environment. I think that the Ford model or that, that concept kind of implies that those are of equal value or they can be equally applied in different uh Uh, the same circumstance but it's not the case it's utilizing the current environment the conversation that you're having to build a relationship in the most appropriate way so some time ago i had a conversation with someone and i was of the opinion beforehand that you need to have a decent rapport build Mm -hmm. in order to really make a good sale yeah and this individual convinced me otherwise Uh and very very successful salesperson he said i don't bother with rapport yeah now, he's probably still asking questions about their business. Yeah. And what he's probably doing is he's just keeping rapport as professional as possible. Yeah. But he looked at it as a waste of time. And I, the more I thought about it, the more I see rapport, especially when it comes out formulaically, yeah. the Ford model, as overdone. Mm-hmm. So now you might sit in someone's office and say, oh, wow, I see that you've just won a golf championship. I guess you like golf. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll talk about golf for a little bit. But my view is at least early in a business relationship, you want to build only professional rapport. Yeah. It's a little, I, I can't think of the word right now, but it, it borders, I guess, on on stalkerish or creepy yeah. or, or want something when you're like, so tell me about your family or yeah. are you married? Why? Why is yeah. that even important for talking about the mm-hmm. business? Especially when that's not why you're there. Yeah. You made a reason to be there. But if you're doing your due diligence to research the company, you can say, well, I saw on your LinkedIn blah. Yeah. Right? Okay. So they don't have a LinkedIn. Well, they're, they have a position at the organization. Yeah. Tell me, you know, what, what do you like working here? Mm-hmm. Or how, uh, tell me a little bit about why you like working here yeah. as an example. That's rapport build, but it's professional. Mm-hmm. Tell me, you know, about your coworkers, if you want to yeah. get into that. Uh, I've heard someone talk about, that's just basically forward, but the corporate family, the yeah. corporate objectives, the corporate, what do, you, what, do you, what do you do for fun around here on lunch break? Yeah. That's the recreation aspect of it. But you're still keeping it fairly 
yeah. professional. And I know at least uh, one company, in fact, I'm drinking out of their glass right now, a Gartner, mm-hmm. they don't appreciate that type of stuff, yeah. at least in the cold calls. Now, my contacts with Gartner, I do have interpersonal rapport yeah. with them, but that's only after the relationship has been developed. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's that's the whole idea is you also have to be mindful of your existing relationship. Like, why are you there? It's as if you're making a new friend. That That's how I like to view it anyway, where if you're trying to make a sale, you're trying to make a new friend. Yeah. And it's not like you were to meet somebody. Let's uh, you're making a new friend in general, like outside of a business context. Maybe you're at, at a movie, you're sitting next to each other for whatever reason, which that's not the best example, but you're just at a bar and you, you meet somebody at a bar and you end up chatting and becoming friends. It's not like you're going to open up with their deepest, darkest secrets. It's you're at a certain level of comfort and, and, mm-hmm. The position in the relationship and you work off of that mm-hmm. especially if you want to continue being friends if you decide after you begin to talk to a potential client that you want the relationship to continue mm-hmm. it's a one-to-one uh, analogy i would say yeah. and i like to say it is like sales is making friends the job where you go in and you sit down you build that relationship from the professional perspective mm-hmm. i think doing anything else is disingenuous Right. You come in and sit down. You you know you're here to make a sale. They know you're here to make a sale. And if you go off and say, so did you catch the game last night? Without any other reason of hopping into it, there it just comes across as disingenuous. It yeah. sounds false. As opposed to opening up with the real reason there is to talk about the business. Yeah. You make the sale. You begin to develop the relationship. Right. And you get to know each other. Yeah. Say, oh, how, you, they tell you about what their kids are doing. Say, oh, how did that go? Or how, how did their, their sports tournament go or something? That's where those types of conversations come from. And I'll bet your hairstylist, taking mm-hmm. this back to the to the original part, your hairstylist probably didn't start off by asking you about your girlfriend, which would no, exactly. be really weird. Right? Exactly, the, yeah. All his hairstylist is to tell me about your, do yeah. you have a girlfriend? Are you hitting on me? Yeah. Like, <laughs> if I say yes, are you going to... Yeah, at the middle of my my head. Uh, so, but I'm sure that over time, yeah, you divulged more information. I'm sure she divulged more information mm-hmm. as they got to know. Same thing with my massage therapist. Yeah, first, first interactions, obviously, an extremely vulnerable situation mm-hmm. in you know sitting on a table with no clothes on, yeah. uh, with yeah. just strategically put placed blankets. You know that would be completely inappropriate to yeah. say. Do you have a boyfriend? Uh, <laughs> and flip the genders, it gets yeah, weirder, yeah, yeah, right? Sure. Uh, but over time, those things will come out in the conversations. In between, okay, how does this feel? This feels like you've got yeah. adhesion here. I'm going to try and work it out. Sorry if it hurts. I need to stretch this. Can I do that? And yeah, so it's built into that general professional area that you happen to be. Um, so. The caution there is, of course, for our listeners, as you're building rapport, don't just jump into, hi, are you married? Uh, But you still need to develop those relationships because those relationships are integral into building the trust and credibility and rapport that'll allow them to talk about the vulnerable parts of their business. And on that, not every relationship is created the same. And, And I think that while a more interpersonal relationship is nearly always better, not all relationships are going to end up looking like that, mm-hmm. where you have a long-term business relationship, you have an ongoing client principal uh, dynamic. It's not like you, there There might be some people in your pipeline that just want to talk about business. You don't even know what their partner's name is or what their kid's name is. And that's just as acceptable if that's what the relationship calls for. Yeah. Is it better? 
to be on a more personal note? Probably for retention purposes. But if it's not what is in the cards for the relationship, then it's not also. And I think um, elephant in the room, I think I have the the everything disc thing here. Knowing how to navigate different personalities will help you navigate whether or not you can develop more interpersonal rapport. So if you look at the disc disc assessment and disc personality profiles, you've got that dominant, uh, someone who could be in the middle of dominant and interpersonal. You've got the interpersonal. You've got the the uh, I was always blank on the S and C for for some reason the the um, the stable one the um, and the conscientious and when it comes to these four personalities they would approach rapport differently as a customer yeah so and I'm going to focus primarily on DI because they're the ones that are usually going to be leading organizations yeah to be quite honest so you got that dominant personality is probably not going to need or even want rapport mm. all that much. And in fact, as a more skeptical individual, they may look at rapport as ingratiation. Yeah. So, but on the I side, you may have to have that type of rapport mm-hmm. and they may welcome that type of rapport in order to develop the relationship. And it yeah. might be important for them to buy from people who demonstrate a relationship approach as opposed to someone on that that um, D domain, if you will, that dominant domain. Yeah who's going to care more about the results of what you're going to drive. So you've got to make sure you're getting there quicker. quicker. Mm-hmm. I hear that. I think that that's the big thing that I do, that I do end up liking about the disc model is kind of highlighting those key differences mm-hmm. because I, I'm of the opinion that, that a lot of things like that, it's really hard to quantify and put it in boxes, but I think having it on the tip of your, the tip of your tongue or the, your, your consciousness when you're going into a conversation is is important yeah like is this the type of person who wants to have an extended conversation is this the type of person who doesn't right and it kind of gets the ball rolling i think if you marry to stuff like that it can be complicated but in the most raw form the most human form even if you don't know what disc means in this case for you the listeners out there yeah it's about feeling those social cues do they seem like they're bored with the conversation do they seem like they don't want to be talking about their personal life right now? Right. Build the relationship around what both of you want to get out of it. And if you're not doing that, then you're not making a friend either. Right. And it's going to be leveraging your emotional intelligence. Yeah. Reading the room, yeah. if you will, and yeah. making sure that, you, um, that you're adaptable to your customer's personality. Don't expect the customer to be adapted to your personality. Yeah. You want to come with a good haircut as well. Uh, I, well, yeah. at, at least you have more options. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there we have it. A little bit about personality, a little bit about uh, building those relationships, regardless of the industry that you happen to be on or be in. Excuse me. Brian, any final thoughts or quotes? Get your haircut and have it, have it be good. Okay. Yeah. And do it every week. We'll see you next time.